You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Today's episode of the Live Different Podcast is sponsored by Under 30 Experiences, our travel company for young people. We take groups of 21 to 35-year-olds on awesome adventures all across the world. Um, We have trips to Brazil, Machu Picchu, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Belize. Um, We go deep into the rainforest. We go up to Iceland, to the glaciers and the volcanoes, Ireland, um, Bali, all, all sorts of different places across the world with awesome groups of young people. If you're sick and tired of sitting at home, sitting in front of your desk, waiting for your coworkers to stop going to the boring happy hour after work and drinking their lives away, and you're tired of all of your friends doing boring things at home, probably going to the same bar and doing the same old shit, Come on Under 30 Experiences. This is a great commercial. Really like this one. There, It's a candid community. Um, and we go and have a really good time. And uh, there's no egos, divas, or complainers allowed. So check out under30experiences.com and come travel with us. Hey, guys. In today's episode of the Live Different podcast, we have Scott Gerber, the co-founder of the Young Entrepreneur Council. And I wanted to make this quick note before we begin. Scott and I have known each other for a long time. I don't know, seven, eight years, probably something like that. And as long as I've known Scott, he has been a fast talker and a New Yorker at heart. And uh, I really try to get into uh, what Scott cares about and what drives him. And he is connected to, you know, some of the, some of the, honestly, some of the world's most powerful entrepreneurs, uh, especially the ones of our generation. Um, He doesn't name drop too much here, um, but I mean, for example, the founders of Airbnb are in his organization. And, um, you know, I try to, to really dive into what Scott cares about, to what his meaning behind all of this is. And uh, it takes me a little while to really get into the candid conversation that I normally have with, with most guests um, because God is a media personality. He is used to talking uh, in front of a camera and it's very apparent in, in the beginning. And But then we get into to really understanding um, what he's all, uh, all about uh, probably after I tire him out a little bit, I think. So anyway, sit back and, uh, and get ready for this episode, but it's a, it's a pretty good one and bear with us um, as we get started. Hello, everybody. It is Matt Wilson here with the Live Different Podcast, and today we are joined by Mr. Scott Gerber, an old friend of mine, the co-founder of the YEC, the Young Entrepreneurs Council, and uh, and a guy that a lot of people might have seen in the media but haven't had a chance to, to really hang out with like I have um, so I wanted to talk to Scott a little bit more about uh, about his story and bringing together some really in- insanely successful people uh, together into the Young Entrepreneurs Council um, and how he's created a massive marketing funnel for himself. He's been a, a New York Times bestselling author with with Never Get a Real Job, his book, um, and just really uh, hear from Mr. Gerber. So, Scott, what's going on? Oh, you know, man, little of this, little of that, but, uh, you know, loving every day, baby. 
All right. I, so, so what what does that mean, Mr. Gerber? You're sitting in in Midtown Manhattan, and uh, right now it, it happens to be four o'clock on a Friday. What does what does that entail? I am sitting drinking a glass of wine in a uh, Midtown pub, and uh, just recapping on the week's numbers and metrics in the business, uh, while also looking at some cool new partnerships. That's that's my life. And, Waiting to start the nice long weekend for Memorial Day while uh, having some downtime with the family and uh, all three kids now. I know uh, since we've met, I've had three. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm a masochist at heart. What can I say? But uh, <laughs> but I have a lovely wife. So uh, so yeah, that that's that's my life, man. That's what matters. Damn. What? Uh, so how you you just decided to pump them out? Tell tell me about that a little bit. Because when I when I met you, you had a uh, you were just you know you had just gotten married or no you weren't even married not even married time, yet right well well matt i could teach you about the birds and the bees but i feel like that's a different podcast uh, opportunity for us we could go into it <laughs> <laughs> uh well i'm the first one to say you know uh, a lot of people say that whole bullshit uh thing in their twitter handle of you know family first but then business or whatever uh, with me it's actually true i mean i i uh i do this because i really want uh, a great life for my family for my kids uh, I, I want my family name to mean something to them because uh, I signify what it means to work hard and, and benefit from that. And not just because uh, my name might've been in a headline here or there, but because there was actually some meaning behind what, you know, the story behind that whole thing was and, and that I, you know, I helped people and that impact mattered. And yeah, sure. You maybe make some money along the way and that's always a nice offshoot. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, uh, if I bust my ass just hard enough, maybe the third one will think something of me. And, you know, if that means I work a little bit harder now and try to figure out what that balance thing even means, you know, maybe that's a good thing. All right. All right. So what? Uh, tell me a little bit more about um, – obviously, I, I know the story because, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the whole thing kind of uh, unfold with, with the YEC. But what um, – tell me a little bit more about the mission and, and you said helping people and, um, and, and especially for anybody who hasn't heard of the YEC or what you guys do. Yeah. So, you know, YEC, invitation-only community of very exceptional entrepreneurs uh, that uh, are collectively generating billions of dollars in annual revenues and have billions of dollars in venture capital behind them or financing uh, represent, you know, tens of thousands of employees. And we really aim to help them. Uh, to connect with one another uh, or resources that can help them accelerate their businesses or become uh, more streamlined uh, as a business owner. You know, we certainly know what it's like to be uh, a founder CEO or a founder uh, C-level title. I mean, you and I both live it. Uh, as much as the Facebook photos and the headlines in the press, and you control the media outlets so you know how that game was played, uh, the reality is it's like a very lonely experience. And I think that if we can shed some real light on helping founders to, you know, meet one another at crucial stages of their business developmental, uh, you know, stages, I should say, but, you know, crucial moments in their business. I think that we are fundamentally doing them a service to help them realize they're not alone, uh, realize that there's opportunity out there for them, realize there's other people going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing, uh, and, but doing it in a way that's curated and vetted so it's not this free-for-all open forum, that it's it's truly a shared collective uh, that, that, that values trust, that values the curation aspect of what we do. And so that's really what we care about. Um, you know, obviously on a philanthropic initiative, we've got members that have been fortunate to exit uh, through IPO or acquisition or their companies are far along, you know, in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Uh, and we provide a service called Mentorship Network that 
you know, in the earliest days, you almost were like a guinea pig before I knew what it was because you helped me on things like panels and other things you sat on on our behalf. But in essence, now, you know, we've partnered with dozens of the largest organizations that help, uh, you know, financial literacy and entrepreneurship education in the middle uh school and high school markets and some college markets like Junior Achievement and others where we provide our members uh, free of charge and they give their time free of charge uh, to sit on business plan competitions or uh, to, to mentor students in classrooms or other such activities that can help to foster an entrepreneurial spirit in young people. Uh, case in point, I, I live what I say too. Uh, I'm donating my entire uh, Thursday next week to uh, judge the New York Junior Achievement uh, uh, business pitch competition. Uh, all of the folks that ultimately... Uh, uh, in the entire state of New York that uh, were, were part of this competition, hundreds of schools, and, and now we're down to the final, I think, five teams, and I'll be sitting at the final table eager to, to see what these folks have and, and help them to uh, achieve their dreams. So it's, uh, it's very exciting when you get the opportunity to do both sides of the do well and go do good philosophy, you know, do well by connecting the best of the best and do good by uh, giving back the brain trust that you've assembled to the next generation of entrepreneur. All right, Mr. Gerber. So at the rate of which that you speak, you do not sound like the, uh, you know, you don't exactly sound like you're sitting over there throwing, throwing flowers in the air. I mean, these, are, <laughs> these are, are people, as you said, some of them in the YAC have $10 million businesses, $100 million businesses. Um, I mean, I'll let you name a, a couple names in, in a second, just so, because they're, they're very recognizable for the, the listener. Uh, but... You, as you said, you like to play both sides of it. And yeah, you want to connect all those people, but they, don't, they might not necessarily need the help, but there is the trickle down, the, the job creation, of course, and then what you guys do at the, at, the grassroots, at, at the grassroots level as well with some of the stuff that you do to give back and the mentorship and um, try to build businesses from the ground up, where is which most of those people actually came from. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I just think that there's this thing that, you know, uh, every entrepreneur just sort of has, I think, two dreams. Uh, you know, live a well-meaning, well-fulfilled life where you're building a great business. And then if you're fortunate enough to find a level of success, ideally financial success as well as uh, personal success, whatever you deem that to be for yourself, um, the reality is, is that your first instinct is to give back to those that are up and coming because you want to do what either someone did for you or do what no one did for you. Uh, and, and I think that, that what we do ultimately is find a way uh, to, to make it easier uh, to have our founders almost see it as like a benefit of membership, like provide it on a silver platter and say, you have to do nothing other than show up. We've handled everything for you. You get to do what you love to do, which is to inspire and give back. And I think a lot of those things is, you know, with YEC, especially what we look to do is how do we turn things that entrepreneurs want to do, things that they want to participate in, uh, into benefits that they can take advantage of with little to no friction or hard work on their part because they've got enough to do. And mentorship is just another category uh, in that checklist of things that we want to help them to achieve if that's a goal of theirs. And I think that that's a goal of a lot of our members. Okay, so you, so this, um, God, I'm trying to think of when actually the YAC started. So you were one of the very original entrepreneurial bloggers. Um, even before we started under 30CO, I think you might have been the only guy writing about entrepreneurship in, in the youth. Donna, Donna Fenn might have been doing it also, but you, between you and her, she might have been with Inc. Magazine and, yep. and you were with Entrepreneur. And I think that's about it. Would, is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, the irony of how things change now that I'm so close with Inc. and, uh, you know, and everything, uh, when Donna was writing for Inc. and I was writing for Entrepreneur at the time, and, and then obviously I started getting syndicated, and then I started writing for other columns, uh, and that led me to my new home where I work very closely now with, uh, with Inc. Magazine and also with Forbes as a special advisor personally. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting, man. I always saw uh, that this was coming. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm some like you know preacher or whatever. I mean that that's ridiculous. But you know the reality is is that there was a generation of people that felt disenfranchised by this whole get you know work hard, get good grades, go to school and get a job mentality. Uh, and and I felt like I lived it. I might not have called myself an entrepreneur, but the reality is I've never worked for anyone because when I was in college, I started my first whether you want to call it business or freelancing opportunity or whatever. But um, I just felt like there was something to that. And this is obviously going back to pre-Facebook when I started doing this stuff. And, you know, uh, people obviously would still talk about Steve Jobs and Richard Branson's, but nobody was really talking about, you know, what I'll call Gen Y or millennial entrepreneurs as a almost their own category. Uh, and that's obviously significantly changed. The biggest innovations in the world are now coming from the 20 and 30 sets. Um, back when I started doing, you know, the kind of stuff I was working on blogs and you know, uh, reporting and so forth. It was a side activity for me because I was doing it myself. I was building my, my second business at the time, uh, which I've since sold. Um, but the idea was, was that I, you know, was living it. So I wanted to talk to others and I figured there was an audience and a voice and that ultimately led me to start YEC because I realized that there were a lot of people that really cared about this, but they just weren't being properly represented or they didn't feel that there was someone or something to identify with that they had a like-minded experience with. And and that's sort of where it just came out. Uh, and, uh, you know, to say the least, I, I, uh, I think it worked out well, but at the end of the day, it's, it's truly one of the more interesting moments, uh, in my life to have realized a trend like that and, and been able to been recognized as someone who should, you know, initially, uh, sort of, I don't want to even say report cause I think I'd be offending journalists, but, but ultimately play a role, uh, in that movement. And then ultimately now today, uh, arguably, uh, you know, curate some folks that truly are making the moves that are changing the world. And we're talking about, you know, 2007 through 2010, probably, in, an, yep. in a time period that there was huge shakeup and, um, you know, all sorts of different economic bubbles at play. And people who came out of, people came out of school and they just weren't getting jobs. And that's when you actually wrote your book, Never Get a Real Job. And you outlined, okay, well, if that's, if that's the case, if you don't want to be uh, reliant on the government or corporations or your university or whomever, um, here's kind of the, the outline for, for what you can do. Um, and and my, my question for you is how, you know, you took, you know, with the book and then with getting those top 20 probably those first 20 people on board with the YAC because I remember because we had a we had a conversation uh, right around that time and you just mm -hmm. laid out and you, you said hey who are the top 20 young people that you can think of and I remember having this discussion with you and it was like that was really it and there weren't tons of other companies popping up there you know, there weren't tons of entrepreneur bloggers there. It's all taken off since then. Uh, but how did you, like, what was the catalyst? What was that jump start? You know, it's funny. Um, uh, I don't think I can actually recall, like, one aha moment. I think it's a series of organic situations, conversations like you and I had. I think that the reality was... Um, when I realized there really wasn't anything, and you, know, you have great organizations like EO or YPO or Vistage, you know, organizations that have been around for decades, but when you really talk to them, you found that not many people were of our generation and they were getting much older. So it was obviously clear that there was, 
you know, something missing uh, that that young people were not resonating with maybe these more stalwarts of industry, uh, you know, uh, that that had been around for decades prior. And so, you know, I just started having a lot of conversations, shaking a lot of hands, uh, helping a lot of people. I mean, at first, you got to remember the first two years of this, it was a nonprofit. I made no money. I paid for everything myself because I just saw an opportunity to really create something cool. Uh, You know, if you were to tell me back in 2010, this was going to be my life, I would have said, you're crazy. Because I just didn't think necessarily that this was going to be my next business. It was almost like a, a, a something to do while I figured out what my next business was. This was like the thing to to, to sort of say, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I really enjoy it. It's a great hobby. But then when I realized we really had something because people were gathering and they were doing it regularly and they were asking me to do more. And they and then I started you know, getting partnerships with media outlets and other things that wanted to hear from these folks. Like It just – sort of dawned on me that there was an opportunity. And, you know, like any other sort of entrepreneur that sees a void in the market and then chooses to take on uh, that void with their own uh, sort of goals and, and, and their own plan, uh, I just sort of jumped right in. I, I obviously at that point, you know, I had, I had met my co-founder, Ryan, uh, you know, who's a fantastic operator, you know, Mashable called him like one of the godfathers of uh, online communities. Like he's just, you know, he's got huge uh, and stellar, you know, uh, uh, resume and uh, reputation in that industry. And, you know, we just said, what could we do here to really change the mold of what this is? And it took a long time to really figure out what the model was. But at the end, you know, today we've had over 15,000 people that have tried to join. We have just under 1,500 members, so it's obviously curated on multiple levels, one by us, and then again, members vote on all new members, so it's really truly curated by the membership. And I think a lot of that is just due to the natural organic growth that we didn't try to profit from it right away, that we just were figuring it out, that we were trying to find what is that need. I mean, if you look at where we were then versus now, it's obviously much more systemized. There's processes. There's you know, there's dues. There's benefits. There's all these kinds of things that have naturally materialized over the course of business. But I think it all came from a central idea and mission that people resonated with. And it was the idea that, you know, we really have something to offer here. We really think there's this void and and let's see what we can do with it. And people just sort of clinged, you know, clung, whatever the word is, you know, attached to that uh, idea. And and here we are today. So it's been an exciting journey to say the least. So to get that off the ground, I mean, naturally – if you write for Entrepreneur Magazine, right, which is, which is where you had kind of had your start, at least in, in the media, um, it, yes, doors open. And it's easy to, you know, write in the subject line of an email, hey, inquiry from Entrepreneur Magazine or whatever. And most people are going to open that up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but how did you, like, the, you're one of the best networked people that I know, and uh, if not if not the best network, because you built an organization around, as you kind of said, you know, this might have been your thing while you were looking for something else, and all of a sudden, you know, you wanted to be able to meet all of these, um, you know, really successful young people with budding companies. I mean, it's a great position to put yourself in, and, and also just like being able to go, I mean, I, I've seen you at events, just walk up to any media person and say, hey, uh, I, you, we, need, we need ink right now, and here's, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> I, I'd like to, can we hear about that? Like, you know, just w- what is it that you approach people and, uh, and say, you know, because obviously you sure. have a strong mission and you try to get them behind that. You know, it's funny, I, I just think about their needs first. I mean, sure, you know, in the beginning, it was much, you know, harder to get attention, right? Because if you didn't hear what we were doing or who we were, like any company, you know, you have to sort of 
prove who you are, what you're there for, make sure that you're worth the person's time, you know, in an ever busy set of individuals that don't want to give it. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. You have to prove your worth. I mean, we spent a year and a half figuring it out, figuring out how to help people. What's their goal? What are the things they're looking for? How can we help with that vendor? Do you need media attention? Whatever it was, you know, it was me and Ryan in the beginning hitting the phones and saying, who do we know to help this person? I mean, that's really what it was. I, there, there's no secret sauce here. Like, it was labor intensive. I mean, if, if we had somebody that was like, I need these things, we would not rest until those things were accomplished, or at least we did everything we could to help them get the right resource or individual on the phone, via email, whatever it was. And I think at the end of the day, you know, and I often say this, you know, when I'm speaking or, or whatever, like the reality is, is that most people come from the perspective of uh, the, the, how can I help myself, but masqueraded as how can I help you? Uh, and I think that when you, you know, have, dare I say, a contrarian viewpoint that that's fundamentally stupid and flawed, and instead you actually just act like a human being and care about someone's interests other than your own, the multiplier effect of the value you're going to receive over time is much better because you truly cared about that individual. You formed a real relationship. You spent real time. You, you did everything you could, and that shows. And if you do that for a lot of people, ultimately that's only going to dramatically improve your results as a business professional because, again, you didn't go into it with, okay, how can I get this guy to pay me? How can I get this guy to refer 50 people? How can I get this? You know, There was no intention. It was truly just let's see what we can do to build something that we find is valuable. So... You know, I think if your heart is pure, I hate to sound like a cliche, but if your heart is pure about it, I think people recognize that. Um, I think today with social media and with everybody calling themselves a ninja or a fucking guru or any of these stupid other terms that make them oh. self-important, you know, pe people get turned off. And I think when you're just gen, you know, you're, you're natural about who you are and you're honest about yourself and with others, uh, I think that's important. Um, you know, case in point, like you, you mentioned, like the entrepreneur thing, you know, I would only ever reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm with Entrepreneur. If I generally at that point had interest in covering them because I found what they were doing was interesting. Now, sure, did I strike up a relationship with people afterwards? Of course. But the reality is that wasn't intention. It was it was pure interest. Um, you know, in most cases when I met entrepreneurs, you know, in the early stages, it was because I put myself out there. And, yeah, sure, I guess initially the credential, as people know, they find that important, so they want to maybe strike an initial conversation. But my goal was never to try to sell them on being an asset to them in, the, in, the, in that kind of sense. It was how can I be an asset to you just as a human being? So, you know, I guess my – I don't want to say advice, but, but what I've learned is that, uh, that, that the question of how can I be helpful to you – Instead of how can I work this person to get a goal of my own accomplished, which is what most people do, uh, fundamentally changes the game for both you personally and professionally. I, I think that's just a proven thing for me at this point. No, I, th I think that's really cool. And people who, have, who know your team um, would definitely agree. I mean, Ryan, a ton of people know, know Ryan, of course. Bob, I've known Bob since freshman year of college somehow, which is, uh, which is <laughs> hilarious altogether. Um, you know, and Bob came to Iceland with us and, and Janie, and brought, Janie brought her brother to, to Belize to, to come and travel with us. Um, yep. and, but these are just genuinely really, really helpful people, just nice people who want to get stuff done and, and see these people succeed. Um, what, what was it, what, what drives them? Like, how do you attract that kind of talent? You know, I think that, um, when you have a mission driven company, even if you're not a nonprofit, I think that attracts people because they want their 
role to matter. They want their job to matter. They want to matter. Um, you know, anybody can be an editor, uh, let's say. Then you have somebody like Janie or, or another one of our editorial team. They come into work every day not because they have a certain skill set. Sure, that matters. That's why we hire them at a core, you know, as one of the steps. But it's because they go above and beyond. Because it's not just, oh, look, the grammar on this article is wrong. It's, hey, let me help you figure out the best way to push yourself or put yourself out there. Uh, let me meet with you to make it better for you. Let me make sure you understand how I can best facilitate the ways in which we can deliver value. Like that kind of person is not easy to find. Uh, there's too many people that like to check in and check out. And unfortunately they check out more times than they actually check in. Uh, and what I've found is, is that if you just are honest about the vision and the mission of the company and you listen for certain cues in an interview, let's say, um, you could find very quickly what the goals of that person are. Do they want to matter? Do they want to make a paycheck? Are they looking to you know, increase their title first and then their position of what they actually do second? Do they care about ego? Do they care about people? Like, There's just so many little things you can do to understand fundamentally what makes a person and then obviously follow up and make sure they're living that. And I think we, we've just gotten very good at hiring. I mean, just case in point, with the exception of one employee who we actually thought the opportunity she got was so great, we would have been foolish to, to try to hold on to her. Because uh, it was a, literally, this is not like I left the company for pay. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, not like your general, I'm looking, whatever. This is like someone called her specifically kind of stuff, right? With the exception of that, we've never lost an employee. That's pretty crazy. So when you think about that from a culture perspective, when you think about that from you know, work-life happiness and balance, from community of the internal team, all those things matter, and that's what helped people to be the leaders that we're grooming them to be and be the people that are caring so that they can be a part of that experience. That, that's pretty cool. And, and you, know, you guys write a ton of this stuff for, um, you know, for, your, for your own blog, of course, with the YAC and Startup Collective and, and, and all these other di different media outlets that we've kind of mentioned. Um, who, who are some of your favorite people that you do help out? Or who, who are some of the fav your favorite people to learn from that are maybe within the organization? Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't really matter. But that you've had a chance to, to work with and just kind of live that same type of value who've built big companies because sure. of it. You know, I, I, you know, a, a mutual friend, uh, you know, I always talk about one of my best friends uh, who became literally a best friend as a result of YC, uh, Jeremy Johnson. Um, you know, here's a guy who had something that was an absolute insane idea with his co-founders. How do you make the online experience for top tier education work and work well in comparison to the my opinion, bottom feeders of companies like University of Phoenix. Like, how do you how do you take you know something that is amazing from an MBA, let's say, at a certain institution, and make it accessible and valuable to people who just can't go to the campus and and make it best of breed? The company is obviously called Two You, and anybody that knows the story knows you know they took this business in in literally five years from from zero dollars, a crazy idea, uh, to not only revolutionize education but to become the highest uh, backed VC startup in ed tech and then go public last year for over 600 million. Now the market cap's over a billion. And just to see that, to literally have a vision and see it through. And, and Jeremy's the first one would tell you, he's not the, he would never say he did it himself. He would never say he played a hundred percent role, but just to understand the mindset of how a guy like that thinks. But yet, if you met him on the street today, he would have a genuine conversation with you. Um, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, I've met founders who, 
you know, you're friends with, and then all of a sudden they make some money and they think, oh, well, you know, I'm rich now. I, I, I am so turned off by that mentality. You have no idea. Because I don't think anybody's more important than anybody else. I've met presidents. I've been in business for now five years and, and, and met some of the richest people in the world, the poorest people in the world, the people that have the most impact in the world. I don't care who you think you are. I care who you are. And for somebody like Jeremy and others in YC, that's been big. The other thing I'll say on the other side of that is I look at organizations like Junior Achievement and, and friends like Buzzy Thibodeau and, and Jack Kosowski, uh, who are the uh, you know bigwigs over at that organization. You know, globally impact five million people a year, five million kids a year, to teach them entrepreneurship education and financial literacy, workforce readiness. That's massive impact. And the fact that they, I mean, I'll never forget, uh, and hopefully Jack uh, will, will listen to this one day, and, and he's heard me say this before, but just, you know, I reiterate all the time how fortunate I am to have met him and that we have such a close relationship in a professional and personal sense. Uh, but I, I'll never forget that, you know, we did a couple things together, YC and, and, and him and, you know, you know, we did the Fix Young America movement, other things. And then I had this idea for the mentorship network, and I was like, you know, I got to get Junior Achievement as a partner nationwide to get our members to give back in a big way. And I'm like, I don't want to do this as a local initiative. This has to be big. If I tell you I called him randomly without an appointment, he immediately got his number two buzzy on the phone. And in 30 minutes, we hashed out what today is one of the largest partnerships for volunteer engagement they have nationwide in 30 minutes because of the trust and loyalty. That's leadership. That is understanding what's going on in, in the world, what their constituency needs, what our constituency wants to do, how peer-to-peer -peer is going to change that industry. Like, that is a big deal. And so looking at those kind of visionary leaders, you know, the, the capitalists like Jeremy, uh, the philanthropists like Jack, uh, the corporate executives I've worked for with big companies like Dell or City, like these people understand fundamentally the world is changing every single day, and it's getting more and more in the favor of the entrepreneurial spirit than the corporate executant. And I think that the more that people understand that, the more they will realize that whether the person that's coming out of college is going to be an entrepreneur or not, that that spirit is going to fundamentally change the workforce. And that's a role that I enjoy listening to, learning from, playing a part in. Like That, that, that inspires me. Okay, so I think a lot of people who are probably listening, and including myself, I'm sitting here saying, yes, uh, I, I like it, I get it. I know that I'm a genuine person. I know that I want to make impact. Um, I am excited by this conversation, and I know that I can lead people. Now, when the rubber meets the road, when, you know, there's the Jeremy Johnson who is going to stop and be nice to you on the street and really does want to help people get better educations through their company, and, um, you know, that's at the core of what ed tech is, is really supposed to be all about. What is it, you know, what, what are the habits when the rubber meets the road that these people do every single day to, to, to be able to execute? Because sure, you can be a great person, but um, what, what is it that truly makes them successful? I think they care. Um, you know, and I know that sounds so stupid. Uh, you know how many entrepreneurs, Matt, you're, you're no different. You've heard how many people talk about something similar. I've got this great idea, now what? Or I'm in my business and I really want to grow, but here's my problems. You know, I have these roadblocks and, oh, I just, I, 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 they're just too difficult to overcome. All those are excuses. Every one of them. 
You, you need help? Find somebody. You need a resource? Go out and get it. You need to raise some money and you can't? Find a way to make more. Like all of these are not easy decisions, but things that people make the decisions to say it can't be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And so I argue that the reason that, that people are successful is one, let's just be honest about it, luck. <laughs> you know, sure. you know, I, I'm not going to say that even Jeremy probably would say, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you know, revolutionizing ed tech was probably not what they set out to do, but it's just what they did, you know, and, and that's luck hitting the market, right? That's luck executing with efficiency. Once you have market traction, that's not luck. And so I think that it's setting a series of goals that are manageable, that are bite-sized, that you are going to chew at and destroy daily, weekly, monthly, whatever that subset of goals are, and not rest till you do. I mean, you know, listen, I'm the first one to say it. I think that our company can go gangbusters in the next couple of years because of things we're working on that are even outside of YEC, but directly related to what we've accomplished as a result of YEC and verticalizing what we've done in other markets. Nobody's going to do that for me. Nobody's going to, you know, go out there and shake hands and meet people and do the same kind of gusto as our team unless we instruct them how, unless we, we, we are part of the process. I think that, you know, people get so stuck on the Uber, you know, experience, the, the one in a billion kind of company that they don't realize like, yeah, even the one in a billion company busted their ass and still do every second of the day. It might have more people, but the challenges just get harder. And so the difference is at the end of the day, people, not saying people aren't well-intentioned. I'm not saying people don't have dreams or care. I'm saying that there's a difference between the people that go out there every day and don't stop until a problem is solved and the ones that have a roadblock or excuse that they just simply don't see as a roadblock or excuse. Because that's more of the challenge. There's always going to be the people that lie to themselves or, you know, the people that, you know, like uh, just, just simply are lazy. I mean, that's just, that's just their own fault, right? Like they, or they're really, their heart's not in it. They're just big talkers. But the bigger problem I see is entrepreneurs who don't realize that the roadblock that they have, this quote-unquote insurmountable mountain, is defeatable, but they're not thinking it through because they're so caught up on the challenge. Those are the ones I worry about um, that are fully capable of finding a way around it, through it, or above it, but just simply are so stuck and then they just digress their, you know, di divert their attention, and that's it. That's the difference between somebody who's been truly successful with execution and somebody who is still stuck on a step that they can't figure out a way around. Hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, tell me, tell me a story, Gerber. You got, you have to have something in in your <laughs> life or in your business that was uh, that was probably a pretty good example of that building. You know, building one of your businesses, or um, you, you have something for us that that would really hit home, that, or that hits home for you personally, or maybe a friend of yours. Yeah, no, I, I'll never speak about a friend. I always talk about my, you know, my experiences because I don't want to put words in people's mouths like this. But you know, it, it's funny if you read the press, and, and Matt, you alluded to this, which is why I'm bringing it up, not to brag. You know. It's not like I've been some mute for the last few years. I mean, you know, uh, you know, obviously uh, I've I've been fortunate to give be given that kind of access that people feel I have something worth saying. Um, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've seen people that have put me on a pedestal. I've seen those that have torn me down and called me the Antichrist. I mean, you know, Salon 2010, you know, 2012 actually, you know, and. and and what I've learned is if you're true to yourself, you find that there's always an apparent solution. There have been times, and I'm sure you've gone through this too. Let's be honest about it. Okay, early on in your business, everything on the outside is looking amazing. You know, people think, oh my God, wow, like let's just use under 30 CEO. I'm 
Now I am going to put words in your mouth sure, as an example. You know, under 30 a million unique views it's a month. Oh my God, this is a major property. But I'm sure there's been times where you're wondering how you're going to hit payroll next week. I've done that. I've been there. I, I know what it's. I know what it's like all of a sudden to be like, oh my God, our, our door is going to be open in 30 days from now. I remember when I was investing in YEC before I even knew what it was, because I knew there was something. When people would say, "You're an idiot." You're just pissing money away. You have no idea what you're doing. Um, and, and I said, listen, I'm the first one to say that if I don't know a business model, I shouldn't be investing in something, but I know something's here. And it's not like I was in a position. I mean, I, I had exited a, bit, a previous business, but not to the point where it was like, you know, life-changing money for the rest of my life. Like, there was a budget. You know what I mean? Like, and, and and I remember I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And, and finally, it just got to the point where I was like, wow, is this really worth it? And and I will never forget, this is probably the first time Ryan actually even knows this. Um, you know, here I was in, in Washington, D.C. with him after a campaign we had done called Fix Young America, where I had personally, you know, written checks for like $50,000, $60,000 just to keep the company going. And Ryan and I had this conversation. It was a big conversation. It was one of the most pivotal moments of, of YEC. This is back when we were first a nonprofit before we knew we had a business. And, you know, I said, I want to keep this going. And I think that we've got something here. And he said, yes, we've got something here, but we've got to make this real. This can't just be us figuring it out as we go anymore. We've got to put a plan. We've got to get it done. And I will tell you, this is how you know you have a good partner. As much as sometimes I want to kill him, and I'm sure he wants to kill me even more. <laughs> that 25-minute conversation at the W Hotel rooftop bar across the street from the White House after an event we had there is the reason there is a YAC today. Because I was on my, I, I I was honestly at that point almost on my last leg. I wanted to keep doing it, but my my heart was in it. But it was painful. I mean, to the point where I was going to make a decision of am I hurting my family? People don't talk about that stuff. Yeah. You know that's and that's the reality of it. Now today, of course, we have a multi million dollar business and you know all that jazz. But there was that moment. If that conversation didn't happen, I'm not going to say there wouldn't be a YEC, but I am going to say it would be fundamentally probably different, or it would have taken a hell of a lot longer, or or Ryan and I might not be partners. I mean, think about that. I mean, internally, you know, you know, Ryan, obviously. Could you imagine him and I not being partners at this point? No. It's yeah, nuts. for sure. I mean, I, sure. I, I often joke and say, listen, I, I make sure that we, you know, do really well in business. He makes sure that the business doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and that's the, that's the beauty of our relationship. Um, but that conversation fundamentally made it so that I was saying, you know what? We're going to do this. And we found a business model that worked. We found a revenue stream that worked. We changed everything to a for-profit. We made some hard decisions. We, I, you know, we, we both took a haircut on what it would take, you know, financially for us and our families. And you know what? We figured it out. And to my point in the last sort of conversation we just had, you know, we took something that was, in my opinion, uh, a lot of people would view as a, a dire situation or, or what the hell are we going to do now moment. And here we are today. We figured it out. And that, in my opinion, is the execution thing we were just talking about. And that's because you get great people around you. You get great direction. You keep both feet on the ground. You're smart about what you're doing. You, you don't let ego or headlines or Uber head, you know, a, a growth or VCs or any of these people tell you ever, hey, you know what? You know, you can figure it out. You know, good for you. None of that crap. You just you just go and you do it. You don't listen to anybody that is in your way, and you just go and do it. And only you, at the moment where you know, had I said after that conversation with Ryan, there's nothing here, it would have been a decision that I had made because there truly was the end. But that's not what I thought that there was. And that's the difference between somebody who is making a conscious decision that they can get around the roadblock 
and those that say the roadblock is insurmountable, but make the smart decision that that really is the insurmountable roadblock, and then go on to something else. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, a absolutely. And, and what you said about just surrounding yourself with good people and you're, you're putting yourself in a position where, you know, you guys both have families. This is, this is, a, big, this is a big deal um, for you guys. And uh, it's, you know, you got to either write a check or keep going or figure out a way to, to be able to support future for, for other people and not just the people that work for you. But, you know, like you said, your wife and kids, um, and how, how does that, you know, how, how does that play into the dynamic? Um, because, you know, I'm not married. I don't have, I don't have kids. So when it comes down to it's ultimately it's my decision, but in whatever that I do, but how, how do you go about that navigating that carefully? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm very fortunate. Um, I have a wife who, who knew who she married. A lot of people don't realize uh, when you get married, they, they think, they know you or they think that, you know, you're always going to be supportive. My wife truly lives that. There have been some hard times, not in our marriage, but just in the beginning stages of this where I knew I had something. And I'm sure in the history of marriage, which goes back, obviously, uh, longer than you and I have been alive, and that's um, <laughs> obviously, uh, there have been a lot of people that say I'm supportive, but ultimately fail, and it becomes a detriment to the marriage, detriment to life, right? And, you know, she's been with me every single step of the way because she knows I'm one unemployable. Um, so what would we do if I didn't have this, right? Um, but more importantly, that that she trusts me that I'm not going to do something stupid. Um, you know, listen, I mean, my kids and my wife come first. Um, that's, I think, what any person would ever say. So if I ever felt I was truly putting them at financial harm, like that was not escapable, that we could never bounce back from in the case of a failure of some kind, I, I honestly, I, I don't think I can make that decision. Uh, I don't think most smart people would make that decision. I think that, in fact, the people that would say they'd make that decision to go all in, I don't think they understand the decision. Um, but it's a, it's a conversation. Uh, it's, it's something that, frankly, uh, you get a new partner and you have to respect them. You have to understand that they have a, perp, a point, uh, that they are, they are in it to win it with you, but they also have their own sort of viewpoints. Um, you know, I... I think there's certainly been times where my wife's questioned my judgment, and that's healthy. Um, in fact, a lot of times when she would do that, we'd come up with a better idea that I can then, you know, take into whatever I'm working on and, and make the best, more proactive step. But the fact that I've got that trust, that, that I don't have to run every decision, that if I have to, when I was writing those checks, not to say I didn't tell her, but not hmm. have to have these painful conversations of begging or like what I've heard other folks have to do um, – it's important. That trust is everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have asked me, like the hardest question I had to answer, and here I am, author of a book called Never Get a Real Job, and, and people always ask me, well, you know, it's one thing when you were a 20-something telling other 20-somethings how to never get a real job and never, you know, whatever. What would you do now if you were first getting started? And the answer is I don't know. You know, I'm the first one to say that I think entrepreneurship is truly uh, you, whether you want to call it entrepreneurship, whether you want to call it small business, whether you want to call it freelancing, whatever your, your definition is for your own life, you know, for your moment. Um, if somebody was going to tell me I was going to go all into entrepreneurship or freelancing or whatever right now with three kids and the kinds of overhead, it's not an easy decision. I think it's the right decision for a lot of people, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, there's a lot more on the line. 
And so, you know, I, I, I'm thankful that I started at an early enough age where I had stability um, to be able to do these kinds of things because that's not easy. And while it's the, the absolute right move for so many people, it's, it's sometimes the financials just don't make sense. And I've learned that. Like people ask, you know, if people ask me, since you wrote your book, has your perspective changed? Absolutely it's changed on a lot of things. I still think I'm right, but I think there's nuance. I don't believe in generalizations anymore. I don't believe that you can be on the bully pulpit and say a decision, a decision is right for everybody. But I do believe that you should try to find the best outcome for yourself. And I do believe that comes with the independence of owning your own life. That doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. And I like how you said, uh, you, you said the phrase, I have something here. And you know, you're, you're sitting there at the top of the W Hotel talking to Silver with Ryan, and you knew you guys had it very much like Jared and I have always known, oh, well, we're on to something. Oh, we need to just keep persevering. Oh, we need to just keep pushing through. We're, yeah, no, we're not sure what exactly the hell we're doing. And yeah, we're going to pivot 100 million times and until you kind of have that tenacity and the determination to, to figure it out. Um, what, what would you say to other people that kind of feel like they have something, right? But they're caught in the middle, you know, they're caught in the middle and they want to make a decision, but they have, you know, they, they have other responsibilities financially. And, you know, your time can either go towards working working a job and making money to support yourself or you you know you're going to go all in on something and and sure there's a balance sometimes you can do both um but if you feel like you have something sure um, yeah what what is it that you can do there you know it's an interesting question i actually was just talking to a friend about something very similar um you know the way i look at it is i am so sick of people telling me they have no time i have met more self-important i'm using quotation marks, air quotes right now for your listening audience who can't see me, uh, that have no time, that have autoresponders that say how busy they are, uh, that, that, that say that they're changing the world, which is why they can't talk to you right now. The reality is we all have freaking time, okay? I wake up every morning at 6 a.m. with my son, okay? I'm privileged that we've been able to afford a nanny recently, so I have about 45 minutes in the morning to get ready. I could do a lot of things in 45 minutes. I'm not trying to use that as the example for everyone. I'm not trying to say you need a nanny if you have kids. That's not the point. I'm saying everybody's got time. Your train ride home at night, okay? The point is, do I believe you could be an entrepreneur on the side? No, I don't. I believe it is an all-encompassing, all-in type experience. However, that doesn't mean you can't have a side hustle. That doesn't mean you can't naturally see something growing, even as small as it may be, and then make a smarter decision to jump in. Um, you know, Eric Bond, who uh, recently sold his company as a YAC member. Now he's doing uh, a conference uh, for growth hackers. You know, he called Beat the GMAT. He built his whole company with his wife while he still was employed. And only in the last couple of years of the business did he leave his full-time employment and then sold for millions of dollars. I'm not saying that that's the end-all be-all, but he made smart decisions to really see if he had something in a timeline of his own choosing, without worrying about investors or all the, the craziness of what that, you know, the the... the business outside of your control means, right? He did it himself organically and then went in. I think that's smart. Um, you know, I, I think that at some point you got to jump, you know, shit or get off the pot. I do believe that. I don't think it's like a, an exercise in, in remaining pl- complacent and, and, and not being able to pull the trigger. I think you have to set goals for yourself and achieve those goals. You know what? If that means you're staying up till 3 a.m. and going to work at 6 a.m., well, shit, you made the decision to do that, go do it. But the reality is to me, I, I think that 
you really just have to know what's important to you. If you cannot stand going to work another day for someone else, or you are just in a job that is just not it for you, or you can't find a job that fulfills you, we really do only have one life here. And it's more important to me to figure out how to downgrade yourself, to live in a way that you're happier, to build something up, than to try to maintain something that is basically an illusion of happiness that you've set up for yourself as a construct of the resources you were given with the time that you don't have because of its, it's owned by other people. That to me is a, is, is a false equivalent of stability you know, versus happiness. And I think that you can't have both necessarily at the same time when you're first getting started. But I think there's ways to push the scale in one direction or another in a smart way. And everybody has to make that decision for themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there, there's tons of options and just figuring it out. And it comes down to how much you really want it. Um, if this is something that you want for, for you and your future, yeah, do it. Or if you're complacent and... You want to come home and sit on the couch and watch Netflix every night? That's you know that's your own decision. So um, I I completely agree there. One thing that I, I wanted to ask you about: you mentioned a couple times now self in, self importance, and I cannot agree with you more. I have been <laughs> at events actually where where you've been present, and I've just been I've just looked around and everyone just always on their phones, always like rushing from here to there and I, I understand that people have to get shit done so that they can go in and spend time with their families or, or whatever is, is most important to them but what what is it about people and, and just being so damn self-important and their egos are so pumped up because they have a, a C in front of their or I, I won't even say that they're a C CXO right because today you just fucking put whatever letters you want in front of your name or yep. or behind you know I mean everybody's a founder or a CEO or whatever like, I, I, th I think Matt you know uh, you know not to die I don't want to generalize for everybody but I've just learned people want to matter even if they've earned that ability to matter or not they want their life to mean something but sometimes mean something not to themselves but to other people yeah and unfortunately, uh, from what I have found in my experience, those kinds of people uh, will never get it, think their business card's more important than their business. And I've just gotten to a point in my life where I try to suss those folks out quickly. Sometimes I'll even call them on it if I'm really getting angry about it. But I just find that there's so much noise in the world. Why add to it? You know what I mean? Like there's just there's yeah. just there's no room for it. I mean, I get that you everybody's got to fake it till you make it and all that crap when you're first getting started. I get that. It doesn't mean you don't have to be a genuine person. I'm not saying lie. You know, I'm not saying stretch the truth. I'm saying you know you could you could talk a certain way if you have to build your business up if you have to look better. But I mean, when you are just actively being a douche, like what are you what are you accomplishing? And the worst part is is when people don't realize it. That's even worse. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm the first one to say it. The reason I, I say all these things, and, you know, I wrote this in the book, obviously. I was that guy. <laughs> you know, I'm the first one to say it. When I was in college, I, I would pull out the business card as a, hey, I'm the CEO. Let's get together sometime. Like, I would pull that crap. Yeah. Of course. Like, you know, and it's upsetting because looking back, it's so foolish to me. But at least I can argue in, to myself and say, you know what? You were in college. You didn't know any better. You know, whatever. Here I am now, 31. 
I see people pulling that shit now. <laughs> you know, like like in, in their older, you know, part of their career, in, in, in the twilights of their career even sometimes. And I think that that's where, you know, people just want to matter. And unfortunately, they're mattering in the wrong way. And sometimes they're mattering in the worst possible way. And people remember that. Yeah, and people people are insecure, right? And people want to want to feel like like they matter, as you say, or people want to feel like they are important in this world. And um, I, I do a lot of hating on these uh, on these people because they just drives me nuts. Like just going to to the event scene and and being in New York and and all of that that I was a part you know a part of for so long. It just, it drove me crazy, and sure, I, I'm sure it was a reflection uh, of myself at, at points in my career, of course, right? Like, all the things that you that you hate about other people, yeah, it's really because it bothers you, because that's probably how we used to be, or whatever, and then you find that, that oh, just being genuine and helpful and inquisitive and um, just a, a generally kind person, that goes a lot farther, but... Um, yeah, man. No, I, 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 can't, I can't agree more. Um, it's just, but I like how that you kind of shed some light on that uh, as far as actually a little bit of compassion because, yeah, those people just want to matter. You know what I mean? Like you, you said before, being an entrepreneur is a lonely road. And, yeah, you think you're a, a big shot with a CEO in front of your title, but uh, everything depends on you at the end of the day. I agree. That's cool, man. That's cool, Mr. Gerber. Well, hey, I know you've got a lot of stuff uh, probably to do here yet on Friday before you go and hang with your family. What are you doing for the weekend? Oh, man, uh, I'm, I'm seeing some friends I have not seen in, in forever. Very excited about that. Just getting some downtime. That's much needed. Yeah, no, that uh, that sounds good to me. Um, Gerber, you got any any last parting words for our, for our audience here? You know, it's funny. Um, uh, you know, I, in the in the last couple of months, I've been so focused on on building a superior community to really help people. And you know, all I would tell folks out there is, regardless if it's one of our communities or something else, find a community, be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, give meaningfully to that community, find ways to 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 activate and engage and help other people. But most importantly, at the end of the day. Going back to the wrong things we were talking about before with mattering, you know, people want to matter. You should matter, but matter in the right ways. Put yourself out there in the right ways. Act in the right ways. Those are basic fundamentals of personal or business life, and most people don't get it. So those would be the kinds of etiquette and strategic things that I think people should, should care about. Um, you know, and I, I would just tell folks, you know, when you are part of the right community, you are an army. When you are without a community, you're a loner. And I think if you find that right community, there is no wall, there is no barrier, there's no roadblock, there's nothing that will stop you from creating something really spectacular. I love it, Mr. Gerber. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, hey, uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, anywhere else, anybody can, can check you guys out, yc.co? Yeah, definitely check out our latest community, Founder Society. This is the community where we are accelerating up-and-coming entrepreneurs using our YAC members and resources. You can check that out at foundersociety.co uh, to see if you qualify as a potential participant. All right, my man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt, for the time. All right. See you.